Well, we read from Mark 10, the last portion of Mark 10. I don't know if you say Bartimaeus or Bartimaeus, but either way, the same guy, depending on how you pronounce it. I read a quote from St. Augustine that he wrote concerning the way God saved him. And he said this, Speaking to God, you called me, you cried, you shattered my deafness, you sparkled, you blazed, you drove away my blindness, you shed your fragrance, I drew in my breath, and now I pant for you. Just a beautiful way to put the salvation that God has brought to him. And what a beautiful explanation of any sinner being brought to salvation. And especially, of course, I want you to note the part he said, you drove away my blindness. In this passage, as we look at Bartimaeus, the book of Mark, of course, is a very hard-hitting, fast-paced gospel account demonstrating the works of Christ and including many miracles like this one um, that we just read about, a blind man made to see. And this, in fact, is the last of the miracles that Mark records Um, outside of the resurrection but the last of the miracles recorded by Mark that Jesus performed um, for people and the thing about miracles and especially the miracles recorded for us in the gospels um, they serve several purposes and I think it's always important to point this out whenever we um, come across these in the scriptures Um, you may find more purposes than these but certainly It couldn't be less than these three. Number one, Jesus fulfills prophecy as the Messiah who would perform such miracles. Michael read from Isaiah where that prophecy of the Messiah that would come, what God would do, and part of what he would do is make the blind to see. And there's lots of prophecy about that, even in the Psalms. And over and over, um, this Messiah would come and he would make the lame to walk and the blind to see. And so these miracles validate who Jesus is. Also, they obviously demonstrate his power over all lesser powers and even over sicknesses, right? And thirdly, and I want you to think about this as we walk through this passage today, they serve as spiritual illustrations. Now, I don't think we should dig into these and find all kinds of hidden treasures that nobody knew about. But I think it's hard to miss with all the illusion in the Old Testament and even Jesus saying plainly, I'm the Messiah that was spoken of by Isaiah and these prophecies are fulfilled in your hearing today through me. It would be hard to miss this point that this, this illustration of this blind man being made to see is an illustration of the lost being saved. I mean, we sing about it in one of the songs that everybody knows. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And so this miracle is no different. And I want you to be aware that um, sometimes miracles, we get confused about them. Um, I think it's always important to remember these things point to Christ and who he is and the power he has and the things he has overcome. And they especially serve to point us to this idea that God save sinners and if you look back through mark 10 you see 
uh, there's a there's a host of different kinds of people around Christ, and um, and I think it's interesting how uh, what I spoke about last week really in, just sort of sums up all of chapter ten. These ironies, these ironic happenings, these things that people thought would happen didn't, but other things they didn't think would happen would, like this man that they the crowds thought didn't deserve to talk to Jesus yet. Jesus stops and takes time for him. The rich man who everybody thought he would be welcome in heaven any time. We don't know what happened to him later, but he certainly walked away from eternal life at that point. And people are amazed. And Jesus even says how hard it is for the rich to enter heaven. And these things are just blowing their minds because they're so earthly and fleshly focused that they can't see. Now we have the privilege of being able to look back and see all the scriptures fulfilled and everything makes sense to us so we can see this illustration clearly for what it is. Okay, Jesus heals this blind man to further make his point. See what the kingdom's like? The beggar by the roadside has every bit as much right to the kingdom of God and to Jesus as the rich man that y'all thought thought would be in hands down, right? And so Jesus has just also finished for the third time saying, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem to give my life as a ransom to many, right? In fact, our next chapter, we'll jump right into that triumphal entry as he really ascends into Jerusalem for this final stretch of his life before he does and completes what he came to do. But he's been teaching this idea of the kingdom and how it's not like earthly kingdoms where people lord over other people. This is a kingdom, in fact, where humility reigns and where the first is last and the last is first. These things are just blowing the disciples' minds and even the others that listen to him teach. This is a place where those in the kingdom don't have servants, but they themselves are the servants. They just can't grasp this. And then people don't enter this kingdom through bloodlines or privilege or works, but rather people are given the kingdom through faith. And oftentimes, the ones given the faith, as I've already mentioned, are not the likely candidates, right? In fact, men can't enter this kingdom through wisdom and maturity, but they have to enter, as Jesus said, as a child. And so the rich, who seemed a very likely candidate, the rich young ruler, He's rejected because he trusted in his things and he wasn't willing to lay down things and follow Jesus. But then one blind who has nothing to offer is more than willing to follow him. So you might say one who had everything could not see who was standing before him offering him eternal life. While one who had nothing, not even his eyesight, was made to see and followed the one who could give him everything. Just all these contrasts and i love that james and john we just read a couple of weeks ago just back up a few verses james and john the the disciples say to jesus we want you to do whatever we ask but then here's one in the end of the chapter crying out for mercy and jesus asked him what would you have me do for you it's just such a contrast People saying, hey, we want you to do something for us. But here's one to whom Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? It's a lot of difference. And that ought to really humble us. I mean, those closest to Jesus were wanting to use him for position and selfish gain, but one who couldn't even see Jesus wanted mercy from him. 
Some men wanting what they felt they deserved from Jesus and another man not wanting what he knew he deserved from Jesus. Crying out for mercy. And so this man receives his sight and he follows Christ. And even if the disciples and others following Christ at this point could not understand it, certainly we ought to see because they were still blind. But we ought to be able to see this truth again. This has to be a lot of the reason why Jesus stopped. He's on the way to Jerusalem to pay for the sins of people just like this man who's on the side of the road begging, who many see as a, well, he, he's not favored of God. Look at him. But again, Jesus was trying over and over saying, y'all don't understand the kingdom. You think you earn the kingdom. You think you get in the king, into the kingdom by what you have and what you do. I'm telling you, get into the kingdom by grace and because of mercy. And even this blind man can see that it is by mercy and not by works. He knows he can't work. He knows he has no chance of getting to God if that's the way to God. But man, all these people surrounding Jesus at this point, he's about to, as I mentioned, make this triumphal entry and all the people are going to be loving him and um, shouting for him and, and laying down um, palm leaves in the street, welcoming him. But all the way, these people, the disciples included, wanting to just use him for one reason or another. In the midst of all that going on, and all these throngs of people, and they're going up to Jerusalem, Jesus stops for this one man who's crying out to him. And even then, you saw in the text, the people told him to be quiet. Hey, he don't have time for you. And it hasn't been hardly any time when they were rebuked for telling the people to take their kids away. Jesus don't have time for you. And he said, hey, don't you dare stop them, hinder them for coming to me. For such is the kingdom. And now here they are again. Hey, hush, Jesus don't have time for you. He's here for us. We're going with him. He's about to take over and we're going to be reigning with him, right? We're going to be right beside him. It's interesting this man is mentioned by name because Mark doesn't mention the names of any other people for whom Jesus did miracles. He does mention their family members at times. I think Jairus is one. But here it mentions the name of the man and his father. Interesting tidbit, a lot of people suggest it's because he does indeed continue to follow Jesus and many knew who he was. So he, Mark pointed out, this is Bartimaeus, this is... This is Bartimaeus' story. And maybe he became influential in the church. But either way, Mark didn't mention him by name. And so this whole incident has to serve as a reminder of all these things. That the kingdom is made up of all kinds of people from all walks of life. It's not a kingdom that men enter their way into. The rich can come, but so can the poor. Well people, people who are physically well, can come, but also sick people. The wise people can make it, and even the not-so-wise. Thank the Lord, right? But mainly those coming into this kingdom, and here's the point, I believe, of this whole thing. They're no longer what they used to be. 
They're as different as a man who couldn't see made to see. I think it was back earlier, Mark, another blind man who Jesus healed, who at the beginning, he, he, he started seeing things. I see trees like men walking around. But then all of a sudden he could see clearly. And I think you and I ought to stop at this point and just be reminded of the glories of salvation. That God has changed us. He has made us different and new. Just as if we were blind and made to see. The glories of being brought from death to life, from lame to walking, from mute to speaking, from sick to well. All those things are there for us to rejoice over the fact that this is us. So we are correct in singing that song. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Because we were. We were blind spiritually. We were dead spiritually. We couldn't get up and walk. We were like those bones in Ezekiel, dry, a valley full of them, no chance of being put together. But God has done that for us through Christ, put us back together, made us well, caused us to speak, given us eyes to see. And man, sometimes this is why the gospel should never grow cold and old to us. Because what God did in Christ, in Christ's perfect, sinless life, in his death on the cross, in his burial and resurrection and ascension, and one day his return, all those things, that is what keeps us going. I don't know who Bob Edens is, but for 51 years he was blind. He couldn't see a thing. His world was as black, was a black hall of sounds and smells. He felt his way through five decades of darkness. And then he could see. A skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation, and for the first time, Bob Edens had sight. He found it overwhelming. Listen to these quotes. I never would have dreamed that yellow was so yellow. He said, I don't have words. I'm so amazed by yellow. And red? Red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. Man, when's the last time you just stopped and thought, I just love to see stuff, color, beautiful. Everything's different when you look at it from this perspective. He went on to say, I can see the shape of the moon. And like nothing better than seeing a jet plane fly across the sky, leaving a vapor trail. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. And even at night, I look at the stars in the sky and the flashing light. He said, you could never know how wonderful everything is. Man, what a beautiful picture of the way we ought to see every day given to us by God because of our salvation. I think we too often forget that we were lost and found, that we were blind, but now we can see. Never forget the wonder of belonging to the Lord, the beauties of redemption. Not just the past ones, but the present ones and the future ones. Not just, oh yeah, there was a day when God changed me. No, it's still happening and it forever will happen. We ought to wake up every day and see yellow like we've never seen it before. And red like it's brand new. And the, the stream of water that you pass by all the time is different because every day is like that. The Lord has caused us to see. And we see everything from this perspective that everything has its purpose. 
And no matter what happens to us in this life, we are redeemed and we will see eternal life with Christ. Man, that causes you to see things differently. It causes you to look at the world different and at people different. Relationships differently. Everything. Paul understood this when he wrote to the Ephesians. These were This was the church. He said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And see, this is even post-salvation. This is what this wasn't, I hope y'all lost people will be saved. He's saying to the church, I hope that God opens the eyes of your understanding, giving you enlightenment, that you may know what the hope of his calling is, what the riches of his glory is of the inheritance of the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places far above principality, power, and might, and dominion. In every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. Man, we ought to see Christ that way, and when we don't, we need to repent and ask him to show us that again. That song we sang earlier, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. That's the idea. I don't have enough tongues to sing the glories of the Lord. I don't have enough words to, to spit out to say what it's like to go from being blind to being able to see. As this man said, you just can't imagine how wonderful everything is when you're blind, right? And so that's my prayer for us today, for all of you, for the church of God, that we have the eyes of our understanding enlightened again. And for those who may be here and have never gone from darkness to light that you would hear this message again and be um, just encouraged and your eyes open to believe that Jesus is the savior of the world and he is the only savior and that you won't be like the rich young ruler and walk away sad but you'll be like this beggar on the side of the street calling out for mercy knowing that he will hear you and he will save you from your sin And in this respect, give you your sight, the one that you need so badly. And that we'll all be like Augustine and look back and remember that God called, he cried, he shattered our deafness, he sparkled, he blazed, he drove away our blindness. In his fragrance, we breathed it in and now we pant for him. I hope you remember that in an awesome way the rest of this week, and especially right now as we celebrate the supper together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. God, for the glories of salvation that are in Christ, Lord, the things that we take for granted that so many people don't have, but Lord, we're reminded as we read this story of this one named Bartimaeus that you have given life to the dead, you have given sight to the blind, Lord, one day we'll understand that in full, I know, and right now we only see in part, but God, just remind us of the greatness of who you are and the salvation that you've given us freely because we, like this beggar on the side of the road, our only hope was to call out for the Son of David to show us mercy, and you've done so through Christ our Lord, and we praise you for it.
God, we ask that you would continue to uh, give us understanding and enlighten our eyes that we might um, be heavenly minded. We've been given the mind of Christ. Help us to not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of the mind that you've given us. And Lord, save those that are in hearing distance of the this message. Save the lost and bring them to new life. They might follow you as well. We trust you in all these things in Jesus' name.